Welcome to the Genesication interview series. Here you will gain valuable insights into all key aspects of the immense mental, physical and spiritual benefits of gardening. I'll be talking with some truly incredible and insightful humans, masters of their crafts and passionate about their life's work. Today we have with us Matthew Davies, a co-founder of Mossy Earth in, was it 2017? Yeah, with a close friend, Durrett. Durrett. Mossy Earth's vision is to restore nature and fight climate change. It's a beautiful company that takes their members through the journey of the rewilding projects with them. The guys started out doing reforestation projects and then through sheer grit, determination and newfound knowledge, it evolved into incorporating the concept of rewilding. Uh, the company does this through innovative methodologies such as carbon sequestration and the use of a carbon footprint calculator. Uh, their rewilding projects look at the habitat as a whole to ensure, ensure ongoing success of the species in its environment and taking into account elements such as restoration of key ecosystem processes and improving habitat integrity and connectivity. Uh, the team also work alongside local experts to better understand the social and ecological aspects of the chosen site. Um, and you can check out their website to learn more about the individual projects. Uh, so what is rewilding, you might ask? I've taken this straight off the website, Matthew. I hope that's okay. Um, yeah, rewilding is an approach to conservation that aims to restore ecosystem processes and return degraded landscapes to ecologically dynamic, healthy ecosystems. Um, and this is a quote off there as well, but it, is, it says it is based on the premise that nature can take care of itself. Um, I think that's brilliant. I love that. I think it's so important for everyone to know that. Um, you know, we just need to be able to leave it alone and reduce the human impacts um, that we have had on it for such a long period of time and um, let that counterbalance kick in. Um, and I think your company really is in honour of that. Um, I know that's a really simplistic overview, um, but yeah, I think that's really beautiful. Um, and the website also says, um, I like the bit where it says, in fact, in these wilder landscapes, people and planet can flourish together. Um, that's yeah. just, yeah, it's so important. Um, and on a more yeah. personal level, Matt, uh, you grew up in England um, and are you still in Portugal? Yes, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So I grew up on the south coast of England and have been living in Portugal for about 14 or 15 years now. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> Um, and have always had an affinity for the natural world, growing up, spending time mountain biking and hiking and amongst other outdoor adventures, I'm sure. Um, and now you love to bodyboard, you're a surf guide, trail runner, um, love permaculture and yoga. Uh, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, thank you for the, the nice introduction to Mossy Earth. I, I couldn't have... Uh introduced it as well so thank you oh, okay <laughs> great um got it in a nutshell oh good yeah it's amazing what you guys do 
Um, all right, so the first question, uh, the term biodiversity gets thrown around a lot, um, but with your experience, um, can I call you Matt? Do people call you Matt? Yeah. 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 No problem. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, with your experience, passion and background, can you please enlighten us or give us some insight on what this term means exactly um, and why it's so crucial to the thriving ecosystems on our planet, on our beautiful planet? Sure. Um, I can give you um, it's easy to, to, to give you an analogy of, of what biodiversity is not. So mm -hmm. um, as you mentioned, um, some of the areas that we, we wild are, are perhaps degraded or abandoned. So we have a fair bit of experience of arriving at areas or sites that um, have low biodiversity because they've been, perhaps if it's abandoned agriculture where they've been um, where they've been ploughed and ploughed and ploughed for many, sometimes hundreds of years, mm. um, for perhaps one or two, maybe three crops. There's really nothing there but sort of degraded soil and perhaps the remnants of what did grow there or the first sort of pioneering plants coming through. So mm. in terms of biodiversity, in terms of flora and fauna, so you know plants and animals, they're really a wildlife. There really, really isn't much going on. Um, or other examples are sort of monoculture um, plantations of trees that sometimes we will go to a site and it's an area that has been planted on for many years for uh, trees, perhaps for paper or perhaps for wood, or perhaps it's just a, uh, or sometimes for carbon sequestration, but it's a, an invasive species or a non-native species mm. plant en masse in an area. And yeah, you know, nothing lives there. You go into this type of forest, there's no noises, there's no sound, there's no smells, there's no light, there's mm. no wildlife, the soil, you know, lacks the key fungi. So essentially, the, 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 the higher the biodiversity, if you like, the richer the ecosystem, and then the, um, the better it works in servicing um, the planet, whether it be uh, purifying water, whether it be flood prevention, whether it be uh, the health of the soil, um, whether it be preventing wildfires, droughts, yeah, so each ecosystem has a, a role to play and to service the planet. And the higher that biodiversity is, the more efficient or the better that ecosystem is at doing it. Hmm. I guess that would be my definition. Yeah, well, thank you. God, it would be so um incredible to watch that slowly develop over time when you first start to work on the on the projects, is it? To see it start to flourish yeah. and yeah it's um depending on depending on the area and, and what's already there some places um take longer than other areas um and that's an interesting point coming back to um the part on the website where the premise is that nature can look after itself um mm -hmm. which is which is true occasionally we have to we have to give it a helping hand where let's say it's been degraded so much that um, there's no natural seed source. So, for example, after a mm. strong wildfire or if it's a huge area of land that's been, uh, that was for agriculture, or it was a huge area of the land that was a, another example I gave, a plantation of, of an invasive species, you need 
the seed sources from the, the native species around to be blown in by the wind. And if they don't exist, then that's where we have to come in and sort of give that a kickstart, if you like. Mm-hmm. So some places take a bit longer, whereas others, perhaps they've still got um, uh, access to a seed source and they repair themselves much quicker. When I say yeah. much quicker, we are, we, are, we are still talking about nature, so it does take some years. But, I mean, in the short time we've been doing it, we've seen... Mm-hmm really significant changes from projects we started in 2017 um, until mm-hmm. now. Um, there was an area we planted in the north of Portugal, in the Douro Valley that burnt in the fires in 2017, which is um, showing really good signs of, of coming back. And some of the mm-hmm. small saplings that we planted five years ago already, sort of some of them are a meter, a meter and a half tall. So it's quite exciting to go back and see those changes. Yeah. Yeah, well, and see the um, all the animals start to slowly come back in as well. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you might start with smaller things like insects and butterflies and small birds, but then you know mm. things come along to prey on them, and small rodents, and then bigger bigger mammals come to prey on those. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. when it all develops. Yeah. Hmm. Um, okay. And you track it? You would have to track it. Hey, is it all the species coming back in? Is that a part yeah. of the... Yeah, so um, so our biologists, they... We, we would work not only at a sort of a, a large-scale area of perhaps we're, we're replanting, but there would be other interventions within that project area so mm. it could be um it could be riparian restoration of the rivers it could be other um interventions interventions to understand what is there so for example in scotland recently um hannah biologist there was doing an e-dna sample that you can do in the river water and that tells you what is and isn't in that river oh, and then wow. that can help inform yeah it's it's, it's fascinating the technology that exists <laughs> And, and by doing that, you can that then informs perhaps how you might restore or, or what you need to prioritize to restore to help what's there and or encourage what isn't there to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the biologists, a lot of their work is monitoring, um, but, but probably not so much on a holistic level. It's it's more on all these all of these different smaller interventions um, that we're doing that add up to that bigger picture yeah exactly yeah exactly, it's amazing yeah. thank you so much um okay you've pretty much already answered this as well but um for those people that don't know or don't have a scientific background um can you explain in really simple terms um i think you've already really answered it but what an ecosystem is exactly and um yeah, how they all sure. those. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, uh, an ecosystem is. Um, I'm trying to put it in simple terms. Yeah. Um, an area, <laughs> an area um, of nature that's typified by. Um, so you, you have, you you could have. You can have different ecosystems on land. You can have eco- ecosystems in the sea. So, 
sort of larger biome, so that's the next level up, could be mountains, it could be tundra, it could be desert, it could be forests, um, it could be rivers. So it's essentially categorizing the different types of nature we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect, thank you. And it's a relationship really, isn't it? That's all coming in together and... Um... Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, they they're all working together, and they they all rely on on one another. Yes, that's yeah. Where, perhaps where human interaction, um, whether it be motorways or building dams or, or um, agriculture or mm. where the uh, the human interaction has come in and, and probably was never done intentionally, but then has right. has. Um, messed with these ecosystems where they're trying to work together um mm. and then that, that sort of puts them in imbalance um so you know, for example dams in rivers etc that can affect how fish migrate up and down the rivers and then that affects fish populations which then has a knock-on effect as to what the, the fish eat or or wow. through their and just poop, throws that whole system out yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so yeah. yeah, that's where that's where human intervention has had a has a negative has had a negative impact um, mm -hmm. in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And that's where you're bringing it all back in together, like a whole working. It is that essentially, isn't it? It's an system, an ecological system that you're um, restoring. Yeah, that's what we're that's what we're trying to do, and we're yeah. also trying to in, in some places where it's you know it is just complete wilderness. It's I would say perhaps even a little bit easier to bring it back into balance. Um, but we can't forget that, you know, there are you know, billions of people on the planet and nature uh, should and can work together with people. So um, other projects where there are more stakeholders involved, that's just as important to have them on board because human in influence or interaction is, is always going to be there. So those, those projects right. are... Uh, a little harder to get the ecosystem back in balance, but it's also important to have all those people on side and to work together so that, you know, in the long term, the, the work that we're doing and many other organizations are doing, there's, there's mm. lots of wonderful organizations doing nature restoration, but these projects um, are restored. You know, these, these areas are restored with, um, with everybody, all the local stakeholders on board with the project. And it's nice to bring um bring all the locals in on it, isn't it? To have them involved and who to better know the area. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. yeah, and I think sometimes people assume that you know local businesses or local farmers are are enemies to it, and I mm. I, I don't think that is the case. There are there are some organisations, some farmers even that are against the idea of rewilding one because it's sort of a, a change and as humans we don't like change some <laughs> perhaps, there's, there's perhaps a bit of fear that suddenly there's going to be all these um, keystone predators helicoptered into their land um, mm. so we get those fears but for most people once you once um, a project's explained they they are well behind it and, and others um, there are many farmers that you know believe in biodiversity for the health of their farm so um, it's not always necessarily enemies. It's, it's more sort of collaboration. Sometimes there's 
a lack of education um, and also yeah this idea of change is hard for people also um, you know for some people oh, this you know this organization is coming in um, you know saying that they should do this that and the other you know right. it would never work like that you've got to sort of come in and work collaboratively with, with all the with all the, the stakeholders and that could be it could be hunters it could be people hikers it could be people using you this, have this to land, um you have to do a little bit of h&r in your job exactly. a lot of yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. which is important yeah then, that's yeah and then that I, I think then that um ensures the survival or the longevity of a project if you, if you don't yeah them from the beginning then, then that's, that's always a danger uh it seems that habitat fragmentation and the subsequent impacts that this has on gene diversity has a huge impact on maintaining um, thriving, wild, abundant native ecosystems. Um, and maybe a part of this, I don't know how much of it, but um, comes from the impacts of urbanisation. Um, and not saying that this is, you know, quote unquote, a bad thing, but, you know, we, like you said, we have to live on this planet and... Um, try and flourish with the natural world because um, we are a part of it essentially. Um, but do you see um, at all that, you know, a really rich um, garden, um, backyard garden other than in the big cities that this could provide corridors for wildlife, um, the, you know, for the large areas that have been interrupted, the the natural territories and the home ranges. Um, do you think that's too idealistic? Um, I mean, urban, urban sort of, urban. Or towns, urban like, yeah. yeah I, it, I mean, it's not, it's not a specialism of ours, but what I have noticed is that um, green spaces are becoming uh, an, an ever more important factor when um, towns are being planned. You know, in the past, it was just concrete everything over because it was easier to, to clean. Uh, it was thought it would be easier for drainage, etc. Um, so it's mm. definitely becoming more and more important in urbanized planning. Um, and I believe you can create these corridors if it's planned correctly. Um, there's, you know, you can have wildlife corridors that... that um, go over motorways, for example, um, there's quite a number of those in the States already. Um, and then people's gardens, if, if, if you had a, a town where people's gardens were wild or just a portion of it was wild, it, I mean, that's a corridor for, for insects, for, for, for birds, for butterflies, etc., um, and also for small mammals. I mean, you know, the, the fox survives in, in urban London. Um, so I think even more greener spaces can only help species like that. Um, and I think there's also demand from it from people more from a sort of well-being side of things. I think more and more people who are moving into cities for work or for family or for whatever reasons, they're looking for cities that have this in mind. Um, and there's, I mean, there's even some great work being done on, on parts of cities that weren't didn't have this planning in mind and now they're being redeveloped to, to include it. So I think there's some, some really good moves in, in that area. Thank you. That's good to hear, <laughs> to know that, yeah. Um, 
If you could gift the world a vision, um, looking out from our own backyards, um, what do you see in, you know, 50, 60 years time um, when the children today start to become grandparents and we've mm-hmm. probably passed on? In, in the back garden? Just, or? yeah, looking out, um, you know, like when you're in a movie and they go from one spot to another and they go from small to large really quickly. Yeah. yeah. What do you see? Um, so on a, you would say on a, on a local level in, in towns, I, I would like to see larger green spaces, larger gardens. They've, they've just been reduced in size. Um, and that each has an area that is, uh, you could call wild, that is for, um, for, for wildlife, an area that is perhaps for people growing their own food. Um, of course, you can't grow everything, but yeah, I think it would be hugely helpful if everybody had a part of their garden where they could be least sort of semi-self-sustainable or at least you know produce some of what they're what they're consuming um and then of course an area for play i think that's just as important for the kids today so that they can connect with nature because if they can't connect with it when they're a child they won't look after it when they're an adult and then on a larger scale is that yeah we have these larger areas of wilderness these larger areas that are uh, connected that are open to wildlife rather than what sort of traditional conservation has done and then has sort of fenced them off and 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 they're places you either have to pay to enter or places that they are conserving what was there only say 50 years ago perhaps not what was there 500 years ago and that they're not sort of sitting museums that are unconnected from the other national parks in their particular country so to build these bigger wilder corridors um, they're not sort of fenced off as museums, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, let's hope. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that sounds, yeah, incredible. Um, okay, and this is the last very quick question, um, but I'd love to know how you personally feel, um, Matt, after you've been outside and in the ocean or out on a project in the field um, or just walking down the beach barefoot on the sand and maybe you look up out of the horizon and um, sigh out before you realise it and then you arrive back home, maybe different from when you first left the front door of your house or apartment maybe in Portugal. Um, can oh. you tell me, yeah, describe to me how you feel? Yeah, um, I, I think being in nature just brings me a lot of peace. I think that's why you know, I, I enjoy surfing, I enjoy trail running, I enjoy hiking, even just walking my dogs. And I think as uh, I think what's really drawing me in all of those activities is just being at peace with myself in nature. Um, and I find not only when I return home that I feel lighter um, and fresher, looked at it in the other way when I'm stuck inside if I've been working a few hours or working at the laptop you know there's mm. I'm restless there's more going on in my head so yeah nature is just a very easy way to to bring me peace and, and to relax 
thank you. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Um, yeah, gosh, you. thank you so much for your time. You, I just, I'm so grateful and, um, yeah, I really, really appreciate that you took the time out of your day to talk to me. Um, and thank you for all the work that you're doing. Yeah. Oh, no, no, thank you for, thank you for the interview and thank you for spreading, spreading the word about, about what we are doing. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Well,